do far more with it. And Father God, we just thank you that it's a blessing to give. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Pastor. Happy New Year. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Can we lift our hands and give him praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We give the Lord praise and honor and glory and adoration. Thank you, Father God. Some of you didn't, some of you didn't think you'd make it to 2023, but you're here. Amen. Amen. Some of you were pressed beyond measure, but you made it. I said, you made it. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes says that if you have breath in your lungs, you always have hope. Praise God. Amen. And uh, Jesus is our hope. Praise the Lord. So I wanted to start off <clears throat> talking about some very important issues is basically about focus. You know, as Trevor said about those reels and all the uh, gurus, whether they're health gurus or financial gurus, they're all talking to you about focus. And uh, every time we come into a new year, we begin to hone and begin to kind of focus our life so that when we get to the end of this year, we're not in regret and we're not in discouragement or disappointment. But many of you have faced test and trial. I know that I faced test and trial this past year. I know that uh, the enemy has tried to take me out, but I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And uh, what I'm about to share with you is not something that I just came up with or got online or got on sermonmaker.com uh, or anything of that nature. What I'm about to share with you is something that I've had to walk through. And uh, it has been the answer for me. And I know it's the answer for you. You know, uh, I've talked to you very candidly about my struggles, but I'm here to talk to you today about the answer. I'm here to show you the pathway that has been forged by Jesus Christ to bring your total, absolute restoration. <laughs> and if you'll let me teach it, because I might get excited, but if you'll let me teach it, if you'll let me take my time, I believe that you'll go into this year far more empowered. Now, I've entitled this series Cross-Eyed, and Pastor Kevin and I are going to tag team on this, and he has some very important information and revelation, but uh, it's going to be parried with the information that I have, so you're going to get a good double dose of the mindset and focus that you need to have, not just in 2023, but in any year of your life and in any day of your life. Your problems are not your problem. You've got to understand that in facing any dilemma in your life as a believer, you have to look at every problem Every mountain, every walled city, 
every giant cross-eyed. You've got to look at every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, every lack, every want, every poverty, cross-eyed. And if you'll look through the lens of the cross, you will see, know, understand, perceive, and be able to act in accordance with the finished, established work of Christ. The enemy seeks to take your focus off To cause you to be focused on wealth or focused on achievement or focused on relationships, focused on vices, focused on sex, focused on all kinds of carnal appetites and goals because he wants to dissuade you from your answer which is to be cross-eyed. Every believer needs to be cross-eyed, but many are not. Many are not cross-eyed. They do not understand the import and the impact of the cross. And you know what? In a large portion, I didn't either. Because there's always something that I'm learning more about the cross. And when we talk about the cross, guys, we're not just talking about Jesus hanging upon a tree because many of you wear crosses. Many of you, when you, when I go to your home, you have crosses hanging from your walls as a part of your decoration. So there are people that understand that Jesus died for us and that the cross is for us, but they don't understand that the cross is meant to do something in us. You see, without the Pauline revelation, without the epistles, without the letters of the Apostle Paul, we would not see the x-ray view of what happened in the Gospels. We had a type in the Old Testament, and that's really how the Apostle Paul interpreted the work of Christ. He interpreted it through the first five books of the Bible. He interpreted it through Isaiah. He interpreted it through the past. And by that revelation, by matching what Jesus did in his earthly ministry to the Old Testament, he was able to bring forth by revelation the New Testament, which is the grace of God through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, this is going to be good. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Now, before I read my scripture, I want to read some things that the Lord gave me because we need to understand and set up some introductions. Sorry about that. But let's read 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us, how many us's do we have in here? But to us, do we have any us's over here? There's none over here. How many us's is over here? How many us's is over here? 
Hallelujah. I'm going to have to have someone come and cast the devil out of you if you don't get your hand up. Amen. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Praise God. The cross is the power of God. That means that it is the gospel. The work of the cross is the gospel. And the gospel, according to Romans chapter 1, is the power of God unto salvation. Praise God. Now, this isn't on my, you know, my uh, thing there, so don't worry about it. But notice this. It says, for Jews demand signs, verse 22, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Notice it doesn't say we preach Christ. See, this is where people are missing it. There are people that will accept Christ, but they won't separate the cross of Christ. Remember, uh, the apostle Paul said this. He said, Uh, about people that had turned on him. He called them the enemies of the cross of Christ. They weren't necessarily enemies of Christ. They, oh, you're not getting this. They were enemies of the cross of Christ. You ask anybody in the United States if they know Jesus. Yes, I know Jesus. But they don't know the crucifixion. They don't understand the cross of Christ. They don't understand the crucified Christ. Because to fully understand the crucified Christ means that you have to admit yourself as someone who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because the cross causes you to see yourself as the Bible declares yourself. Most people don't want to see themselves as God sees them. They don't want to accept that information. To accept the cross of Christ means that he hung there for me. And he hung there because of me. And that's hard for people to swallow sometimes. But those that have found it, those that realize the revelation of it, they experience the power of God. Are you with me? But notice it says, but we preach Christ crucified. Hallelujah. A stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So in the cross of Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Amen. It isn't just simply just seeing someone hang upon a tree. There's something more vital, something more alive about, you see, the the multifaceted redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. Amen. So I want to read some things that the Lord gave me here. The work of the cross is the perceived reality for the child of God. It reveals the believer's true condition, past, present, 
and future. It deals with all of these things. The past that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. The cross declares that to us. The present that we are currently reconciled with God through the cross. And future that we are glorified and shall be glorified with Christ when he comes for the church. Amen. That is the message of the cross. With the cross squarely fixed in the center of our lens, we see through the mirage of the fabricated world system into true absolute reality. It is only through the cross and through the lens of the cross that we're able to see life for what it truly is. The cross defines the love of God to you. First John chapter four tells us that it is, it is the work of the cross that shows and demonstrates God's love to you. And most believers wrestle with the love of God in their life. I know I've wrestled with it. How about you? Wrestle with, does God love me? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And we use our circumstances to dictate whether or not we feel his love or we don't feel his love. But the cross settles it. Because once God does something, it's finished. And once God settles something, it's settled. His word is settled in heaven. We are in the process of settling his word on earth. And we're doing it through our personal lives. So when I look at the cross, I don't need to question whether God loves me or not. I don't need to question whether I'm having a bad day, whether God is upset with me or mad at me or wants to throw in the towel in regards uh, towards me. I just simply need to get cross-eyed. When I'm feeling condemned, when I'm feeling guilty, when I'm feeling shameful, when I'm feeling as if I have lost my way, I just need to get cross-eyed. I said I just need to get cross-eyed. Because when I look at the cross, I know that God loves me. I may not feel it. But the cross is the demonstration of God's love for you. What is Romans chapter eight? It says he that spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. How much more shall he not freely give us all things? He gave the very best that he had to redeem your life. That is the greatest. Jesus said, there's no greater love than a man should lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love, but yet we wrestle with the love of God when we get a bad report. We wrestle with the love of God when life doesn't go our way. When situations don't go the way we want to, we say, why God, why, when God, when, how God, how. And those three questions all go against the love of God. And it doesn't matter what you're going through today. It doesn't matter what you've done even this morning or what you did last night. God loves you. 
And he loves you so much that he gave his son for you. So settle it in your hearts on the first day of 2023 to never question. Oh, come on now. Don't question it. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what this last year was like. Don't question it. Don't question it. God has decided in his great sovereignty (laughs) to love you. Amen. To love you. God loves you. Oh, some of you ain't convinced. I want you to say this. I said, God loves me. God loves me. I'm going to take it up another notch. Take it up another notch. God loves me. Just like he loves Jesus. Oh, some of you had trouble with that. Some of you had trouble with that. But that's what the Bible says. Amen. God loves you just like Jesus. Because in him you live and move and have your being. You're one spirit with him. That means as he is, so are you. Do you think that Jesus is going without God's love right now? Oh, he's flowing and emanating in God's love. Therefore, you are part of his body on the earth. Therefore, that same love. Oh, glory to God. Is this helping anybody? Hallelujah. Notice this. The gospel or the cross or Jesus Christ and him crucified is the report of the Lord. It is the report of the Lord. Remember Isaiah 53 in verse number one, who hath believed the report of the Lord and to whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed? It's the arm of the Lord, which is the strength and the power of God is always revealed to those who believe the report. So that means that I, the more I understand the crucified Christ, the more the arm of the Lord is going to be at work in my life. The more I understand what was done on the cross and get cross-eyed, the more the arm of the Lord, the power of God is going to be at work in my life. Amen. I'm going to show this to you. I'm just setting it up. This is, you know, this is what we call a, just an introduction here. But I want to show this to you. This is stuff that has saved my life, that has kept me here, that has kept me whole, that has strengthened my heart, that has caused me to overcome high blood pressure, that has caused me to walk in victory is the principles I'm giving you right here from the word of God. You've got to get cross-eyed. I said, you've got to get cross-eyed. You can't get worldly report focused. You cannot get doctor focused, medicine focused. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against medicine. Don't worry about it. If you have to take it, take it in the name of Jesus. Come on now. There's nothing wrong with that. I take medicine. There's nothing wrong with that. I go see the doctor. I've learned that the doctors are my friends. Some of them I like a little better than others, but my doctors are my friends. Hello. I've had to learn that. How did I get my focus off? By getting cross-eyed. 
So you got to get cross-eyed. The more cross-eyed you are, I, I hope you're getting a hold of this. I hope you are. The cross is the report of the Lord. Amen. That surely he took our infirmities, he bore our sicknesses. Amen? Amen. And with his stripes, we're healed. See, this, this is the report of the Lord. This is the absolute, the more I get acquainted with that report, rather than the report the doctor's given me. See, a revelation that the Lord gave me. Now, listen, I'm not getting on to anybody because I'd be getting on to myself. So don't take this wrong. But many times, you know, people in the church will say, hey, I'm going to the doctor this week. Believe with me that I'll get a good report. And I'd say that too. But one time, uh, a friend of mine called me about a, a test that I was fixing to go through. And he said, uh, I just believe you'll get a good report. And up out of my spirit, and I didn't mean to, to say it abruptly or to be rude. I said, I already have a good report. And you know, he adjusted and he said, you're absolutely right. You do. You've already got, come on now, you already have a good report. You already have a good report. Because the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is your report. Who hath believed our report? And to whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed, Isaiah 53, 1 says. Surely he took my sickness and bore my pains. Yet I esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his wounds or with his stripes, I am healed. That's the report. That trumps every report. Stage four cancer. Heart failure? See, you got to get cross-eyed. When you go to the doctor, you got to go in there cross-eyed. Amen? When you're battling in your life, whether it's through principalities and powers that are resisting you, oppressing your family, you got to go at it cross-eyed. Amen. You got to go out at cross-eyed. Okay. All right. Now notice also that this is just my introduction. This is so good. Amen. I'm getting something out of this myself. The gospel are the, the crucified Christ. The cross is also the law of liberty. It is the law of liberty. Amen. Now, many people get confused about the Old Testament. 
because they see places in the scripture, and we'll look at one even today if we have time, um, that talks about the Lord sending snakes or, you know, sending things to afflict the people. But we have to understand that in the Old Testament, they operated in the law of sin and death. That was the law. That was the law of the land. The law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? It was introduced in Genesis chapter 2. He says, the day that you eat of this tree, thou shalt die. That's the law of sin and death. There was a law and then there was a penalty. The law was don't eat of the forbidden fruit. The penalty was death. And in fact, it says in the actual Hebrew, it says, if you, the day that you eat the fruit thereof, dying thou shalt die. So actually in the Hebrew, it says die, die. And anytime you see a double uses of the word, it means intensity. It also means progression. It also means the fact that it is in totality. Because man's a three-part being. He's a spirit. He's a soul, has a soul and he lives in a physical body. So when Adam partook of the forbidden knowledge of the forbidden fruit, he died separated from the life source God through his disobedience and then progressively was dying in his soul, which inevitably led to the corruption of his body. Okay? So when God entered into covenant with Israel, he said, if you do this, you'll get this. But if you don't do this, you'll get that. That's totally within his covenant. That's totally within his covenant. So when Israel would be disobedient, there would be affliction that would come towards them because of this covenant, because of this law of sin and death. But, oh, you don't like the butt, do you? I like big butts and I cannot lie. Hello. See, we get confused. We think God's still operating on that basis. Listen, the law of sin and death is still in the world. It's still in the world because it was enacted in the garden. It's still in the world. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. You will reap what you sow. That is in the world right now. But the cross is the law of liberty. Because Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life. That's that new law that the cross brought. Oh, come on now. That's the new law that the cross brought in to place has redeemed me or set me free from the law of sin and death. I've been set free through the cross from the law of sin and death. And I operate in a new law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus.
But in James, he says, but be ye a doer of the word, not a hearer only. For anyone that just hears the word deceives themselves. For he is like a man that looks into the mirror, forgets what manner of man he is, goes off, doesn't make changes. He says, but those that look into the perfect law of liberty, those that get cross-eyed, that's what he's saying. Those that get cross-eyed, praise God, they will be blessed in all their doings. Hello. You know, this next quarter, you know, Kevin and I, we've been talking about teaching about the importance of the word, teaching about the importance of the basics. And that's what we're going to function, do. Because we're coming in, entering into some things that are going to be tremendous, both positive and negative. And we got to be ready. And you better know. You better know what to focus on. Amen? Okay. This, this, this is really blessing me. I'm, I'm having a good time up here. So we need to understand that the cross is a way of life. The cross is a means of direction. The cross is a message, a clarion call. It says everything that Adam lost, Christ has redeemed. That man has now been brought back into right functioning with God. It is a mindset. The cross is a way of thinking. It's a way of perceiving life. It is a lens it is way we should focus on every mountain, on every challenge. We should look at it cross-eyed. Amen? Amen. Let me read this. This is from uh, Derek Prince. And I'm telling you, I really like this. It says there are two aspects to the cross or to the work of the cross. Number one, what Jesus did for us. And I can tell you. The majority of the church world understands and knows, and even those that are not believers know that Jesus died on the cross for humanity. Everybody will tell you that, especially around the Christmas season. But number two is what he will do in us through the cross. If the cross does not have its work in us, we will not fully benefit from the victory because our subtle deceptive enemy will get the better of us and corrupt us. And that's what he seeks to do. He seeks to corrupt the cross, to obscure it from its power. He doesn't want you to focus and become cross-eyed. He wants you to get lust of the flesh eyed, lust of, of, you know, uh, pride of life. He wants your desires 
to be focused on other things, other achievements, other ways. And if he can get you distracted, and if he can get you looking at the wrong thing, he can subvert and corrupt your revelation of the cross. Amen? And so let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. We're here in 1 Corinthians. Let's go in 1 Corinthians 2. And let's see what the Apostle Paul says. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now you might take that, and and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now you might think that's a pretty narrow focus, but you don't understand the broad spectrum of the cross. And most believers don't have a broad spectrum of the cross. They don't have any way of knowing that the cross means more than just simply a man hanging upon a tree. Just as I go and to the hospitals and meet with people. And sometimes we'll go in a Catholic hospital and there's Jesus hanging on the cross. Well, I'm here to tell you, friend, Jesus is not hanging on the cross anymore. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, the father. He hung on a cross and we need to understand that. But we need to understand that there is a higher level of living due to the fact that he was raised and we were raised with him. When we talk about the work of the cross, we're not just talking about him being on the cross for those, you know, six to eight hours that he was on the cross. We're talking about from the time he was handed over to Pontius Pilate to the time that he was scourged at the whipping post that brought about our healing. Most people who were crucified in those days were not scourged beforehand. He was scourged because Pilate wanted to get out of killing him. But it says in Isaiah that he would be scourged. Because it says with his bruise, with his stripes, we are healed. And it goes on further down in that chapter. And it says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Jehovah in the Greek and the Hebrew says Jehovah has made him sick. And the reason why that he did that is so that you and I could have full health and restoration in our bodies. From the road up to the Calvary, to the cross and having his cross carried, to the fact that he was nailed, the crown of thorns, the piercing of his side. It's all a part of when we talk about the cross. When he was taken down, when he was wrapped and buried and put in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, being raised from the dead. But then the apostle Paul also tells us that when he was raised from the dead, you and I were raised from the dead. And he's not just raised from the dead. He was seated. He was positioned somewhere. The right hand of God the Father. That's where you're positioned as well. That is the totality of the cross. When the apostle Paul 
talks about the cross, he is talking about the totality of the entire transaction. Amen? Amen. The cross refers to the totality of Christ's redemptive work. His scourging, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, along with his seating at the right hand of God. That's the totality of the cross. There's a lot in there. I don't fully understand all of it. But the more I understand it, the more cross-eyed I become. Are you with me? The more I understand it, the more my focus changes. The more I understand it, the more I access the new creation life that's on the inside of me. Are you with me this morning? The cross is the believer's true north. When you find yourself out in the outskirts of life, when you find yourself out of the will of God, when you find yourself off the path, the cross will always bring you true north. And any decision that you have to make when you're confused about what decision to make, it doesn't mean necessarily that God's going to give you specifics about that, but just get cross-eyed. Get cross-eyed. When you get cross-eyed, direction will come. When you're dealing with satanic powers that are oppressing you and trying to afflict you, praise God, get cross-eyed. They cannot take the cross. The devil wants to obscure the cross. He doesn't want you to know what happened there. Because the cross means that he is thoroughly, irrevocably defeated. Hello? When you look at the cross, that is not a place of weakness. Jesus was never more victorious than when he hung on the cross. Amen. The revelation of the cross fills us with transformative information. The more I look at the cross, the more I put my gaze. Now, I'm not just talking about you taking a physical cross and looking at it. How am I looking at the cross? Through the word of God. As I look at the work of the cross through the word of God, it fills me with transformative information. It fills me with revelation. It fills me with revelation that will make me free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Shall make you free. The more I look into the face of Jesus through the word of God, the more I begin to investigate and see what he did. From Genesis to maps, the more transformative I become. I am changed from glory to glory into the image of the Lord. Come on now. Amen. Let me read this here. A muted view of the cross is detrimental to the life of a believer. A muted view. Muted means that it doesn't have the bright colors. It doesn't have the clearly defined lines. The more I get into the word, the more the lines get clearer, the more the colors begin to get more vivid. That is revelation. You begin to see. 
You begin to see it for what it really is. A mature disciple. How many mature disciples do we have in here? A mature disciple will see within it the work of the cross, their greatest sorrow, and their greatest joy. Their greatest pain and their greatest pleasure. Their greatest defeat, but their greatest victory. That's what the cross does. It brings us out. It it is basically how you get back to the foundation of your life. Amen. Only the cross seen vividly in all of its spectrums can bring about the divine life we are searching for. We've got to see the cross in all of its spectrums, and that's the whole purpose of our teaching here today. Amen? Amen. So are you ready for that? Let's look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 1. The Apostle Paul talking to the church in Galatia, in the region of Galatia. Actually, there were multiple churches in this region. He's writing to an entire region of churches that he established. They had fallen into a dangerous mindset. And I believe Kevin will probably help us on that here, maybe next week or the week before. But they had gotten into something that was, the Apostle Paul said, was even more detrimental than the carnality of Corinth. You know, those Corinthians, they were kind of carnal. I mean, when the apostle that established the church calls you carnal, you're carnal. Hello. They were drinking, having wild parties, had a man that was, you know, sleeping around with his uh, stepmother. They had some problems. And here's the, here's the mindset of God. And you've got to understand this. The mindset of God, when you find yourself in that kind of sin, when you find yourself in that kind of carnality, is he always wants to bring you back to a question. Don't you know who you are? That's his answer. His answer is, oh, you're sorry and I can't use you and you're a mess and you can't. He doesn't say that at all. Don't you know that your members are the body of Christ? Don't you know who you are? That's how the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, dealt with the carnal Corinthians. But when he begins to address the Galatians, he is red, hot, livid. Mad. Because you know what? You can always get over carnality. You can be forgiven of anything. But when you start getting in to the works of the law as a means of relationship with God, you are operating in witchcraft and God calls it an abomination. 
Now, I'm not going to get in, in on it, so don't worry about it. But notice this. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has given you the evil eye? That's exactly, that's exactly what that phrase says in the Greek. Who's given you the evil eye? See, they're not cross-eyed anymore. They're not cross-eyed anymore. They've been bewitched. They've been given an evil eye. Hello. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, they didn't go to the public execution of Jesus. They never saw that. They were in the region of Galatia. They probably didn't even know that it even happened. How was Christ crucified in their sight? Through the preaching of the gospel. And as they heard the message and received the message in truth, they saw Jesus Christ crucified. And if your preaching does not portray Christ's full, total, redemptive work, then you're not preaching the whole gospel. And he says, oh, foolish Galatians. He calls them fools. He said, who's giving you the evil eye? What's an evil eye? Well, the Bible talks about an evil report. How many remember that in the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers? Ten spies came and gave an evil report. Well, what kind of evil report did they bring? Did they come and cuss and yell and use all kinds of profanity? Were they telling dirty jokes as they were coming to the group to tell them about the promised land? No, they were saying we can't do what God has told us we can do. God called that an evil report. So what's an evil eye? An evil eye is one that does not see their sufficiency in the cross of Christ, but continues to try to see themselves through religious indoctrination and mindsets and works and all kinds of ritual. When we begin to try to work for our salvation, we've fallen from grace. And I'm here to tell you, majority of people are wallowing in condemnation, guilt, and shame because of the evil eye. They don't see themselves through the cross. They're not cross-eyed. They're evil-eyed. Come on, I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen. I mean, any time that I look to what I do as a basis for God's work in me, I am operating in the evil eye. You need to be absolutely dependent on the cross. I mean, you need to hug that thing. Hold that thing. Because what I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about the cross, a piece of wood. I'm talking about the entire work of Christ. That's what the, when, when, when the New Testament refers to the work of the cross, it's referring to all of it. You gotta, you gotta get a hold of all of it. You gotta make it yours. 
Because although Satan is defeated by the cross and totally, utterly stripped, God has seen to it in his wisdom that Jesus would entrust us to enforce that victory. And the only way you're going to enforce that victory in your life, my friends, is if you have a revelation and become cross-eyed. Are you with me? Got a few more moments? Okay, all right. Let's look at uh, Numbers. Numbers chapter 21. This is what I referred to before when we talked about the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life. God doesn't like complaining. You want to know why he doesn't like complaining? Because it means you're not cross-eyed. You only complain when you're not cross-eyed. You only whine when you're not cross-eyed. Because there's no reason. You've been made a victor. Not a victim. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. Come on now. What do you have to complain about? So the children of Israel found themselves complaining. Why didn't complaining? Because of the journey. Listen, most people, they complain about the journey. But notice this. It's for from Mount Hor, they set out by the way of the Red Sea. Now, this is after the Red Sea crossing. This is after all of the wonderful miracles and signs and wonders that God did in their deliverance. Hello? Amen? It says, for Mount Hor... They set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Eden. And the people became impatient on the way. Anybody ever became impatient on the way? Come on. Some of you are on a healing journey and you're getting impatient on the way. Hello. You're getting stronger. I said, you're getting stronger. I'm getting stronger. I go from strength to strength. The Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The Lord is the strength of my life. I go forth in the strength of the Lord. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. Richard, you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And the people spoke. Against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? You were a slave. Isn't it amazing that people who are enslaved to drugs and enslaved to all kinds of things, when they get out, when they find themselves and get that fresh air, all of a sudden because things don't change the way they want to and they don't step into what they think they need to step in, All of a sudden, they get discouraged in the way, and they begin to complain. And guess what? They don't look at themselves. They start complaining against God, against leadership. For there is no food and no water, and we load this worthless food. That was angel food. That was manna come down from heaven. Isn't it amazing how we can lose our thanks, thankfulness for the great things that God has done for us? Amen? 
Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Why? Because God don't like complaining and God don't like complaining today. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Next verse. Do we have it? And the people came to Moses and said, this is a great revelation. We have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. So at least they admitted it. Amen. Most people won't even admit it. They get in a mess, open the door for the devil in their life, won't even repent. At least they came to him and said, man, this must have been bad. This must have been bad, bad news. Fiery serpents coming, biting the people, killing them, chaos. I guess we sinned. I guess we made a mistake. I guess I kind of missed it. I'm having a challenge. That's what a lot of people say. I'm having a challenge. No, you're sinning. Stop it. Amen. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Now notice he prayed for the people. But then, and the Lord said to Moses, see, here's the key. And this is where most people miss it. It's not just enough to pray to the Lord. You need to get an answer. (laughs) And if you don't have a scriptural answer out of the word of God, you know, something that you can base, you've got to seek the Lord until you get an answer. And notice Moses prayed and he said, and notice the Lord said, make a fiery serpent. The very serpents that were biting the people, the very serpents that were filling them with poison, the very serpents that were taking their life. He says, and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. Okay. Now, so Moses had to construct this and this took time. This wasn't something that they just, you know, ordered from Amazon and got next day. You know, they had to, they had to make this thing. And while they're making this thing, people are dying. While they're making this thing, people are going through pain and fear. And it's kind of like 2020. But he makes it and he sets it up. And it says anyone that's bitten, anyone that has been, you know, uh, infected with this virus, this poison. He said, as they look at it. Now, it doesn't mean that you just look at it and then you go, okay, I've seen it. That's what most people say. Oh, yeah, I've read that Bible once in a while. Well, have you ever thought about reading the Bible? Well, I read that back in, you know, 1987. I, I went through the year program. I haven't read it. That's not what we're talking about. Well, I read a few chapters in there one day. I ain't going to do it. I said, that ain't going to do it. I said, that ain't going to do it. He, they had to fix their gaze. That's what the, 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 the actual Hebrew says. They had to fix their gaze. It reminds me of James. But whosoever shall look 
And that word look means to continuously gaze upon the perfect law of liberty. This man will be blessed in all his deeds. So notice this. This is a type of Jesus. Notice it's not a a sheep on a pole. Because he who knew no sin became our sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Notice they had to keep their gaze on it. People are dying all around them. People are screaming and those things are still crawling around their feet. And they have to take their focus. Richard, this is for you. They have to take their focus. And they have to intentionally put their eyes on the type of the Lord Jesus. Now that's not true just for sickness and disease. That's true for marriage issues. That's true for business issues. That's true for financial issues. You will look upon it and live. Well, how do we look at it? We look at it through here. This is, this is the serpent on the pole. The Bible says that as we continue to look into the face of the Lord, how do I see the face of the Lord? I see his face through his word. The more I see his face, the more I'm transformed into that same face. Amen. So they had to look at this thing. And everyone who was bitten, when he sees it, when it, you know, it's not just a glance, it's a steadfast gaze, will live. So it's a type of Jesus in the fact that when we look at Jesus, we're both forgiven and healed because it's the same sacrifice. You can't separate the two. The forgiveness of sin and the healing of your body is the same thing. Same sacrifice. Jesus, Jesus declared this. Which is easier? That's what he said in Mark chapter 2. Which is easier? Thy sins be forgiven or take your bed up and walk? He didn't say which is harder. He said which is easier? So we see that these are tied together. But it was because their focus was on the type of Jesus. A serpent fastened upon a pole. Jesus on the cross. Amen? Jesus on the cross. Give me my next scripture there. I can't remember. I think it might be. Notice this in John three fourteen. Jesus talking to Nicodemus said this, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man. Notice how he uses that. He doesn't say son of God because he is a son of God. I'm not, I'm not, but he used this phrase because he's the last Adam. So when he gets raised up as the son of man, that means that he is the true legitimate, legal, oh, you're not getting this, legal substitute 
for you and me. Because if he was crucified in the status of the son of God, he couldn't redeem us because we were not sons of God. We were men. He became flesh. He became a man. He died not just for us. He died as us. When you see the cross, you see yourself. You see yourself judged. You see yourself beaten. You see yourself. He bore your penalty. He bore your pain. He bore the wrath of God on your behalf. He is the legal overpayment for every man and woman and child. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him. Now notice that. You can look at something and not believe it. Just because you're looking at something don't mean you believe it. Just because you're reading that Bible don't mean you believe it. We have to see and believe. We have to see and believe. We have to see and believe in him so that you may have eternal life. Now listen, guys. He's not talking about heaven life. He's talking about life right here. Eternal life is meant to transform and change you right here, right now. I thank God heaven is awaiting me. I look forward to the day when I see Jesus face to face. But right now I see him through his word. I interact with him by his spirit. And I'm transformed into his image by gazing upon him through his word. Amen. Amen. Now here, here's the key here. Now notice this next, next scripture there. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. He's not talking about perishing in hell, just only he's talking about perishing you know, the, the corruption that came through sin in your physical body as well. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Amen. But have eternal life. The life that Adam lost in the garden now has been brought back through the work of the cross. The more cross-eyed you are, the more that life will manifest in your life. Amen. I'm going to end with this scripture, but it's a good one. Matthew chapter 6, I believe. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, people will say this. I'll misquote this. It says, the eyes are the windows to the soul. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, how many want healthy eyes? A healthy eye is a cross-eyed. A healthy eye is a cross-eyed person. 
You want to have healthy eyes? You get in this book. You want to have healthy eyes? You listen and hear the word of God. Notice what he says. The eye is the lamp of the body. Now notice what, what do lamps do? Do lamps take in? No, lamps highlight, illuminate. So what is he saying? What you look at matters. What you look at matters. So we have to understand that there's spiritual transference in anything we see. And if we don't focus our sight, if we focus our sight on the doctor's report, if we highlight that, we're not cross-eyed. So therefore, everything that's in that report becomes reality. Because we've set our lamp, come on now, we've set our lamp on it rather than putting it on where it needs to be. Because it says your eye can be healthy, that means your eye can be unhealthy. Amen? He says, notice this, if your eye is healthy, notice what he says, your whole body. He didn't say your spirit. What is light? Light is life. It's synonymous. Light and life are both qualities of God's existence. In the beginning, you know, God said, let there our light be. Amen. What did light bring? Light brought life. Come on now. See, if I'm highlighting a bad report, if I'm highlighting a person's weakness, if I'm highlighting a person's sin and transgression, if I'm highlighting my own personal weaknesses, then I'm not healthy. See? See, we're called not to lie. But many times we are told in the Scripture... To call those things that be not as though they were. So when we're sick and we have symptoms in our body, we don't highlight it with the lamp of our eyes. I'm trying to save you some money here. We highlight the word of God. Instead of saying, oh my goodness, that pain is back today. I wonder whatever will I do? We say, surely he has took my infirmities and bore my sickness. See, we're we're taking our lamp and we're putting it on something that can help us. Because complaining and whining and crying about the problem. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to have tears. I'm not saying that. Listen, I've cried many, many cries over this last season. I have bartered with God when I knew I shouldn't. I have whined and complained and moaned and wondered, 
gloom, despair, and agony on me. But that never got me anywhere. I've worried about it. But Jesus said, we'll worry, even add one year to your life, one translation says, or even grow a cubit, which is 18 inches. That's pretty, pretty big. No, worry can never change you. <coughs> it can never change your circumstance. Ever. So where does our focus need to be? Where's your lamps at this morning? Is it at the pain in your knee? Is it at the loneliness you feel? Is it at what the doctor said six months ago? Is it at, come on now, listen, I mean the devil's a meanie. He'll bring stuff up, I'll get stuff up seven years back, people said to me. I remember when I went to the doctor one day, and uh, and he said, you haven't had any symptoms, you know, since you've been uh, taking this medicine? I said, no, I, my, my symptoms are gone. Now, my symptoms are gone because of the cross. I'm cross-eyed. But guess what? The enemy wants to obscure that cross, and he said this, well, our medicine is keeping you alive. Oh, that hurt. If I didn't have a shield of faith, hello, that was an arrow. And they don't know, listen, they're human beings and they they don't, they're just talking out of humanness, not holding it against them. Come on now. Medicine is not keeping me alive. Jesus is the source and the work of the cross is strengthening me. That's what I found. The Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I don't care what test comes back, says what or anything. We don't care. Listen, numbers can change. The first report is not the last report. And I don't have any symptom whatsoever in my body of heart failure. But yet they continue to tell me that I have it. But I don't have it. Because, see, I'm called to tell the truth. Now, now, now listen, guys. Listen. Because people have a problem with this. Why should I say I'm healed when I don't feel healed? Or why should I say I'm healed when I don't have a doctor's report that says I'm healed? You say you're healed because God's word is truth. So... When I'm not saying God's word, when I'm not keeping my, come on now, are you getting a hold of this? If I'm not saying what God's word says, then I'm not speaking truth. Oh, it's real simple, guys. Come on now. It's not Pinocchio, you know. You're saying what God says about you. But notice this. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad... Looking at the wrong things. He's talking about abundance and prosperity and provision in this context. But it's applicable to all areas. He said, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. See, if you look at the wrong stuff, you're going to be filled with darkness. Now, what does darkness represent? 
It isn't representing, you know, like necessarily evil or anything of that nature. It represents ignorance. It represents the fact that you just don't know. You're, it represents fear. Because you know what? You don't like walking in the dark. No one does. No one likes to walk in pitch black dark because you don't know what's going on. You don't have any clue where that, you know, uh, end table is or where the end of your bed is. Where, you know, you're going to stub your toe. How many have stubbed their toe in the middle of the night? Nobody likes to walk. You don't know if there's Legos. You don't have any idea. When you focus on the problem, there's no solution. When you focus on the sickness, there's no healing. Hello. This is rough because you have to take you you have to take responsibility as to what your lamps are looking at. And if your lamp is looking at the sickness, see here's where this this is for somebody in this place. I'll tell you what where the devil got me is he would condemn me for taking medicine. He would condemn me for going to the doctor. He said, well, if you're healed, you don't need to go to the doctor then. You don't need to take no medicine. He'd bring me in condemnation. Come on, he would do that. He'd just condemn you, be nasty about it. Well, some pastor you are. You know, one of the main things that he'll say to me is stuff like this. What if you die? You preached all this stuff, you know, that people are going to lose heart, are going to lose their relationship with the Lord, you know. Just bringing condemnation and junk. When a minister misses it or finds themselves, you know, out of the way, the condemnation gets really, really strong. Well, guess what? He's doing it to you, too. He's sitting there telling you, Richard, you don't need to go. If you're healed, if you're what the Bible says, you don't need to go through those treatments. He tells you that. I know he does because he tells me that too. But he's a liar. And it has nothing to do with it. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. Doctors heal from the outside in. But Jesus heals from the inside out. Sometimes I need a little outside in to help me get the inside out. Come on, someone needs to hear that. Sometimes I need a little outside in to give me time to get the inside out. Come on now. It's for somebody in this house. Notice, go put that scripture back up there. Hallelujah. We got it. Okay, all right. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So it's basically saying, Jesus said a very interesting phrase. He said, to him that hath shall more be given. And to him that does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So what light you have becomes darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm preaching real good here. 
I'm, I'm, there's lives being healed right now. Not because we're laying hands on the sick or anything, because your focus is changing. You're getting cross-eyed. Is anybody getting cross-eyed in this place? Hallelujah. You're getting cross-eyed. See, you got to put your lamp on the right thing. They put their lamp on that serpent that was on a pole. They believed the report that Moses said. If anybody looks at this pole, you'll be both forgiven and healed. And they had to believe that report. And they didn't just have to believe it. They had to act on it. They had to fix their gaze on it. And praise God, they were healed. Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that we could proclaim today that whosoever gets cross-eyed, whoever looks at this cross, and whoever believes the report, shall be saved, delivered, healed, protected, whole. Come on now. Some of you acting like you know this already. I know you don't know it. I know you don't know it. God wouldn't talk to me about it if you knew it. Sitting there acting like you know this. I heard this before. I heard it. You're going to miss out. Come on. Better get your ears perked up. I'm telling you by the spirit, you better get your ears perked up and you better get your focus ready for 2023. You better dial your eyes in friends and get it off this stuff. Some of you are trying to accomplish things God never told you to do. Some of you are trying to do things God never asked you to do. Some of you are focused on stuff that God doesn't want you focusing on. And it's just going to sow death into your life. But oh, if you'll take your eyes and you'll put those lamps and you'll put that spotlight on the cross. I said we need to put our spotlight on the cross. We need to put our spotlight on the cross. That's where the answer lies. That's where the answer lies. I said that's where the answer lies. Hallelujah. The healing of your body lies in your revelation of the cross. The advancement of your business lies in your revelation of the cross. Your relationship restoration lies in your understanding of the cross. Your deliverance from demonic oppression lies in your understanding of the cross. The guilt that you feel that you want to get rid of in this next year, it lies in your understanding of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we thank him for the cross? Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for the cross. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We have a young lady that is going through hospice right now. And uh, we're going to pray over this cloth. You know, the Bible says that there were aprons that were upon the Apostle Paul. And when he would preach, 
that anointing. You see, the anointing, it doesn't go through necessarily wood and metal, but it'll go through cloth. Many times Jesus, by the hem of his garment, they would touch and they would seek to touch that hem because the anointing that was emanating out of his spirit was tangible in the fabric. And they would reach and remember the woman who had the issue of blood. She don't have it anymore. She had the issue of blood. She said, if I must touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. Well, we believe that when this garment is taken to this infirmed individual, that it will drive out sickness and disease and any spirits that are enforcing that disease in her life. So I'd like the ministers to come up right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to pray over this. Hallelujah. Grace, come up here, sweetheart. Amen. Just pass that around. Put that on your hands. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's Karen come on up here, sweetie. Hallelujah. What is the name of our dear sister? Vanessa. Vanessa. You remember that name, Vanessa. Praise the Lord. Put a little, slap a little on me. Hallelujah. All right. So, Father, in Jesus' name, by the ordinance of the church, we believe in the power and the transaction in the spirit in this cloth. So right now we lay our hands by the authority of the name of Jesus on this cloth. And we speak life right now in the name of Jesus into this cloth. And we thank you that it will drive out all disease and all spirits, unclean spirits in Jesus' name. And will bring life and healing right now in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer say amen. Hallelujah. Go your way rejoicing, my sister. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. Oh, sorry, sorry. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, his healing power is here. His healing power is here. I just see this place all in green. Green's the color of healing. See, anytime God shows up on the scene, did you know what color his rainbow is? Does anybody know what the color of God's rainbow is? It's green. You want to know what green represents? Life. Amen. And when God shows up on the scene, he shows up in green. Amen. Green's all over here, isn't it, Daniel? You see the green? You see the green? Amen. I see the green. So that means we need to lift our hands up. You need healing in your body right now. Up and take it. You don't need someone laying hands on you. In Jesus' name. Just reach out and grab it. Take it. Amen. Take it. 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 Take it right now. Take it right now. Take it right now. Take it right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There are things that are troubling you from your past, but the Lord wants to release you from them today. But those things are not you. It's not who you are, and it's not whose you are. For he has cleansed and washed you by his blood. All of the condemnation, all of the guilt, all of the shame is just 
flowing down into the ground. It is coming off of you right now in the name of Jesus. There's going to be a supernatural freedom and a joy that you have not experienced in the last six months. You haven't experienced this joy in the last six months. The enemy has sought to take away your strength, and he speaks to you and says, I love you. You're my son, and I'm well pleased with you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. I just break this power off of his life of condemnation right now in Jesus' name. Draw closer to the Lord. He'll draw closer to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's spoken to you. He's spoken to you. He's told you about good things in your future. But, oh, distraction has come. Your lamp's been on some other things. But all you got to do is turn your head. All you got to do is, is fix your gaze on the right stuff. That guilt and condemnation, be gone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, fix your lamp. Fix your lamps on the cross. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, is this a good New Year's or what? Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, people are missing out. People are missing out. People are missing out. There was a, there's a struggle. There's still a struggle. There's still a struggle with loneliness in your life. Not feeling complete. Not feeling whole. But the Lord wants you to know that the cross is your sufficiency and that he is the one that causes you to be whole and that you will be ready. You'll be ready. You'll be ready when that relationship comes. But look to him. Don't look to the relationship. Look to him. Look to him. Look to him. Look to him him right now in Jesus name. Right now in Jesus name. I just break this off right now. Get off of it right now. Get off of his shoulders right now. Get off of it right now. In Jesus' name. Be free. You're going to feel lighter. You're going to feel lighter. I said you're going to feel lighter. You're going to feel like, oh my goodness, what was on me? I feel like I had a potatoes around me or something like that. Potato sack. Come on now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Is it all right if we let the Lord do what he wants to do? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's green in this house. If you ain't taking a hold of it, if you ain't grabbing it down, I know I am. I know I am. Yeah, I know I am. How about you? How about you? Those numbers are going to change. Those numbers are going to change. Those numbers are going to change. Those numbers are going to change in Jesus' name. They're going to change. They're going to change. They're going to change. Glucose, glucose levels. Right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Metabolism coming back. Strong. 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 In Jesus' name. The enemy's been saying stuff like, oh, you're too old. You can't dream anymore. But the Lord says, no, no, I put dreams in you and I'm going to give you the body to do it. I'm going to give you the body to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. See, here's where people miss it in regards to healing. They get healed so they could do what they want to do. You're healed 
because your, your body is meant to serve the Lord. Oh, come on now. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, there's just, just this heaviness, condemnation. I just sense it. You know, the enemy has set up a lot of traps, a lot of things in 2022. He's, he's come against and assailed the minds of people. He's assailed them with thoughts of harassment. You almost lost your life. Well, see, there's a mindset that comes with that as well. Even though we've got good reports and we're feeling strong and stuff, we still got it up here. See, we got to get cross-eyed. See, you got to get cross-eyed. Because guess what? They're going to say, oh, well, you're just an old heart patient. You're just old. Yeah, you better not. Don't carry that table, Bill. Don't do what you know you can do. Sit down in the chair and die. You're not going to be able to do what you used to be able to do. You hear those words all the time. But guess what? Your strength doesn't come from your blood pump. Your strength comes from the Lord in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, supernatural strength. Supernatural strength right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I just thank you, Father God. All those bypasses right now. They're just super strong in Jesus' name, and his heart is strong. Blood pressure is normal in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, friends, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The the Lord is the strength of your heart, sister. The Lord is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. I speak life into every chamber. Did you know that Jesus said in John chapter 7, he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Did you know those rivers is the life of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead? And that same spirit is coming in and it is strengthening your heart chamber. It's, it is strengthening your ventricles right now in Jesus' name. They're going to squeeze harder than they've ever squeezed before. That muscle's going to get stronger than it ever has before. You're going to have extended life in the name of Jesus. You will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord is the strength of your heart. Go, hallelujah, hallelujah. Go in the strength of the Lord in Jesus' name. Go in the strength of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I can't get to everybody. I'd love to just go right through the every row. But we're going to have ministers here, and I'm going to ask them to come up to the front. And if you need something in your life, if you need a breakthrough in your life, if you need to adjust your focus, I can't think of a better time than right now on New Year's Day to say, I'm no longer going to look at the problem. I'm no longer going to look at the issue. I'm going to look to the cross. I'm going to look to the finished work of Jesus. Because I know my answer lies in it. Amen. So if you need to be born again, I can't think of a better day to get born again. If you need to get rededicated to the Lord, you need to refine your focus. Refire. I'm here to tell you, they can do it. If you need healing in your body, it's filled with green. Healing power of the Lord's here. 
It doesn't matter who it comes through. Doesn't matter who it comes through. God will use any channel. All you got to do is take, bring your belief with you. Bring your belief. And if you need deliverance, maybe you're tormented in your mind. I'm telling you, this is a one-stop shop deliverance center right here. Don't walk away the same way you came in. Amen.